0: to another episode of WPM Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Cyril, here with my co-host, Mr. Ben Quiddle from Wood Campground Management. We are missing Kara again this morning. She's a little bit uh, uh, late, running late, and so we're going to see if we can add her in uh, a little bit later during the show.
1: We've got
0: a really exciting topic for you today focused on agritourism. It's part two in our series talking about farm stays. Ben, tell them a little bit more about what we're going to discuss today.
2: Yeah, I mean it's just the boys for right now until Kara shows up. So uh, you guys will just have to deal with Brian and I. But it's
0: yeah, uh, not going to be as good for sure. But <laughs> we'll, we'll try to get through it. Yeah.
2: So I mean, I was pretty excited about this topic. I think uh, a, cu- a couple weeks ago we came up with the idea to feature more agritourism um, stuff, and we talked about wineries a couple weeks ago, and I was pretty excited about today too. We're going to be taking a look at campgrounds and other places like campgrounds that kind of feature, um, you know, farm experiences. So um, uh, we have a couple of guests on here that are going to talk to us about that. Um, Jerry Ayers, uh from Llama, Lazy Llama Campground in Tennessee, um, Chucky Tennessee. They uh, they actually raise llamas. Uh, on a farm near the campground. I guess Jerry, just tell us a little bit about what you do at the campground and how campers get experiences with your llamas that you raise.
3: Well, first of all, the uh, there was a dilapidated uh, trailer park beside us for many, many years, and from the '60s, and we purchased it and and demolished all of the all of the uh, mobile homes, and then we turned it into a, a, a campground and. It's attached to our farm, so it was a perfect uh, dovetail into agritourism, which we already have done since 2005. And uh, we have about a 50 head uh, herd of llamas. We raise about about 15 a year. So the campers, when they come in, most of the campsites uh, can see or are right next to uh, the pastures. So they get to actually go out and see the llamas. Uh, on uh, Saturdays, we do uh, white free wagon rides for the campers. Uh, we, we can hold about 25 at a time. Of course, COVID, we've done a little more social distancing with that, take more, take more rides. But uh, they get to go through the campground and end up at the barn where they get off of the off of the wagon and uh, they get to the pet and uh ex- you know experience the llamas up close we also halter the llamas up and they uh you know they get to walk the llama and uh, just okay. you know get get real close so it's pretty cool and we also have a a uh, a garden a large box garden that they get free vegetables out of and we have a chicken coop that they get to get to uh, gather eggs for breakfast so you know they get really involved in into the camp campground and, and the farm while they're here yeah well that
2: sounds great um llamas are really nice animals they do spit a lot but they are they're pretty nice animals soft for uh, real neat animals to be next to so um I, and i guess our other guest is scotty jones um i met you scotty at the glamping show usa a couple years ago and you know, you kind of stuck with me just because I thought your idea was kind of a neat idea. Um, sh- um, she founded farm State USA, which is, uh, you know, they offer farm and ranches opportunities to host like um, RVers. Um, some of them host RVers, some of them have their own like um, kind of like an Airbnb thing where they may have like a rental cabin or a house that they rent out and they offer people the chance to stay at these locations and take part in chores and and interact with animals and different things. I know some of them, uh, I think you're working to get into the campground, get more campgrounds maybe that offer those experiences too, right, Scotty?
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Do do you want me to explain? How about I'll explain a little bit what we do. Yeah. So, I mean, and how I got into it. Um, we actually have our own farm, Leaping Lamb Farm, and we started offering lodging back in 2007 uh, because we're a sheep farm and raising sheep doesn't necessarily uh, pay for the tractor to break down. So I, this is actually, farm stays are a concept from Europe. So Agriturismo, they've been doing farm stays oh, in France and, and uh, England for a long time. I mean, back in, starting in the you know, 1960s and 70s. Um, And it was, it's a newer concept in the US. I mean, so Ben, when I was at that glamping show, one of the interesting things is because there are farmers there is convincing them that actually uh, people staying on your farm, people will pay you to do it. And they'll they'll pay to camp, but they'll also pay to stay in your farmhouse or in your cottage or in your much more expensive glamping tent. And um, it's a way to diversify. I mean, and that's what, that's basically what the association is about we're there to help we're a trade association and i I formed that in uh 2010 because i realized that there was nothing like that in the u.s that we could all be one thing and i would say still nine out of ten people if you say you know you can go stay on a farm it's called a farm stay they have no idea that they would even want to do it i mean isn't it going to be dirty and isn't it going to be boring And are we going to make you work? You're paying money to stay with us, and now it's going to be slave labor. And so, but kind of like Jerry, I mean, we do the same thing. You can go collect the eggs if you want. You can, we call it harvesting in our garden. You can go and um, pick vegetables and things like that in the summer when they're there um, for your meals. Uh, But you can also help us do chores, which is uh, feeding the chickens, or right now lambing, helping me with the lambs. Um, helping just feed the sheep. Uh, We have a donkey that likes to be brushed. Um, And so it's a a kind of a hands-on, if you want, if you want to sit on the deck and read a good book and drink a glass of wine, hey, you know, that's fine with us too. So during COVID for a lot of people, it's been a relief. You know, and Jerry I'm sure is experiencing this too. People just want to get out of their four corners in their house or their apartment and be somewhere where they can breathe, and walk around, and just relax.
2: Well, I I know, you know, I live in southern Michigan, um, which we're cu- currently covered in about three to four inches of snow, um, but, um, you, know, you know, in our area, at least, um, people have been really active about getting more, uh, doing more on their own, gardening, farming, they want to know where their food comes from, and I think this part of agritourism is just really being spurred maybe by some of that. You know, these people who maybe don't have access to farms and different things like that want to do these experiences with their kids um, so that they can understand how farms work and where their food's coming from and, and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, the funny thing, and I don't know if Jerry's found this in his garden, But there have been times when we actually need to go out into the garden and show people what the vegetables look like because they'll bring in the leaves of the broccoli thinking that it's spinach, or they don't know what potatoes look like uh, from the top and that they're underground, or even carrots. It's kind of amazing, you know, since most grocery stores cut the tops off carrots.
3: Yeah, um, I just think- Or they they pick them green. Yes. don't realize yes. they have to mature and ride. Yeah. Yeah. I just
2: think it's, uh, it's really neat to uh, be able to offer people chances to stay at places like this. I guess um, at the llama camp, at your campground, Jerry, I guess, um, you know, how many sites do you offer and do you do
3: seasonals or is it mainly just transient campers that stay at your park? Uh, we do all, uh, but we're a small campground. We only have 34. We're getting ready to expand another four sites. I just don't want it to be very big. Uh, we like for everything to be personal and we can do that at, at this, um, you know, at this level. Uh, and it, I don't know, it just all came together. Agritourism has been around a little while, but, uh, just like she said, uh, you know people's not used to farms most people have never seen a chicken up close much less a llama or a sheep or a goat and uh so you know they're just so enamored with it and uh we've got a green space where they can actually bring their dogs out and their dogs will go nose to nose with my donkeys i have miniature donkeys and miniature horse and two goats so, or the llamas of course the llamas all line up you know what are you doing here and they're used to them now but the great everybody wants selfies <laughs> they turn around take all kinds of selfies of the farm animals with with them so you know that works out great
2: does um jerry i guess does your campground is the farm the main attraction point to the campground or do you guys offer like other you know or is there other things in the areas that in the area that people come to stay well, campground for
3: well we're only an hour and a half from gatlinburg and forge Okay. Uh, and, the, and the Great Smoky Mountains. So, you know, uh, but we're far enough out, uh, not in the middle of nowhere, but far enough away from that area that it's not, you know, real busy, touristy. So uh, you can, uh, we're an hour and a half from Asheville, North Carolina, hour and a half from the Creeper Trail in Virginia, hour and a half from Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg. So. A lot of people like to come to airplace place and just stay there as a base camp to do the different things and some folks we back in the fall we had somebody from texas that came all the way from uh, somewhere in texas and uh and i figured they were coming through we have a lot of folks coming through to other places and they'll stay here but uh i asked them i said well uh, where are you from they said texas i said well uh where are you headed after you leave here Texas, <laughs> yeah. they came that far just to see our little campground and farm. And that just okay. amazed me.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, so um, that's, that's an Interesting thing, right? Ben, do we have any data that shows like, I mean, obviously if you already own a campground, which is most of the people who are probably watching our show uh, you're not going to build a farm next to it necessarily, <laughs> but it's you know, easy to uh, add a, a llama or an alpaca or a goat or chickens or some kind of an attraction there, right? And so is there any data or sense that you've gotten from people as to does this increase interest if you just add the one piece instead of have the whole working farm? Or like, is there an incentive for people to do this? I guess is what I'm
2: asking. Yeah, I I mean, I'm not for sure if I've ran. I do know that there are some campgrounds that will um, work with local farmers or, um, you know, to do like petting um, zoos kind of, where they'll bring in animals um, and um, offer, you know, horse rides and, and maybe like a chance to pet animals. Um, So there's that, but I'm not, you know, I don't, I guess uh, maybe Scotty or Jerry would have a better idea as to.
1: Well, I was going to do it a different way. And what I was going to say is there are more farms adding Mm -hmm. camping and campgrounds, so they may already have the lodging. But mm-hmm. now they're adding either glamping sites or camp right. camping camping, uh, and some are really getting into the RV, adding RVs because that's easier. It's been an RV year,
3: right? Mm-hmm. They
1: may not have dump sites and things. I mean, we've had people ask us if they could bring an RV here, and I say, well, I've got an electrical hookup and I have a bathroom at the barn, so I wouldn't take lots. I could take you know one. Um, And it just really depends on the farm, on the state, what you're allowed to do. Um, I was mentioning before we all went on, I'm not allowed to put a campground on my farm. I'm on something called exclusive farm use here in Oregon. And so you're not allowed to do things like that, but there will be other places where you absolutely are. And so we are hosting more and more farms that have all these different um, methods of staying on them. And um, like we mentioned before, coming out into the countryside, um, experiencing farm life seems to be a rising interest for Americans. It already right. was for Europeans. I mean, I got a lot, I got a lot of European, but they live here in the States, but they already know about farm stays.
3: The best okay. thing to do is check your zoning laws in your particular state. Uh, where we were uh, fortunate is that the mobile home park that we uh tore down was already r2 which is heavy residential and we were able and guess what a campground is heavy residential so it it was a perfect fit but our farm itself is uh agriculture but they but they butt up against each other and it like i said it dovetail perfectly together you asked me a question i didn't finish it we do seasonal and we do extended stay we don't do permanent I don't want it to be, the old saying it was a trailer park before, it's not going to turn into a trailer park again, but uh, we do seasonals. As a matter of fact, I have a waiting list of about 12 to 14 for the spring, and we were full this winter. We have heated water lines, so that helps out a lot.
2: Scotty, I, I like, you know, I was looking at your map on Farm State USA, and I mean, you have locations all across the U.S., so this isn't just like this is something that's, you know, seems to be interesting to people all across the country, I guess. It's not just like in certain areas.
1: Yeah, no, it is. Although, did you notice uh, there's a certain dearth of places to stay in the Midwest? So where are the, the big, big commercial agricultural farms, the, you know, wheat and corn and things like that, there aren't as many farm stays being offered and i don't know if that's because people are only one generation off the farm so why would you want to go stay on a farm but all up and down the seaboards both east and west coast down through texas and then up across the midwest yeah we're there are and and there're many more than these are our members um, before we launched our new website we showed all the farm stays we could find around the country and there are about 1500 um, wow. You know we're we're on a big membership drive this year because we think that we have the right message, um, but also like Jerry said, uh, we a lot of us are full, and a lot yeah. of us are full for spring and getting full for summer. And I've had guests this winter, and who wants to be in Oregon in the rain in the mud? Well, apparently, yeah. you know our barn is dry, and so it's yeah. I'm hoping we're on the upswing for farm stays. In terms of people yeah. recognizing us.
2: Yeah, I mean, I imagine for the Midwest, um, you know, where I live here in southern Michigan, Indiana, we, you know, we interact a lot with the animals. They're all around us, um, country settings. So maybe that's um, hurting it a little. Although you would think they could draw people in from other areas that might yeah. want to come. Indiana's pretty flat, though. So I think people, <laughs> it's just really flat. So yeah. Um, it's a nice place, but it's really flat. So, uh, but um, I think this ties in really well to what we've been hearing on the glamping side of things. Um, As far as people looking for those unique experiences, um, you know, glamping is partially kind of the unique accommodations that people stay in, but it's also has a ton to do with the unique, uh, you know, the unique settings and the amenities and what's being offered. And I think, you know, these farm stays and even like what lazy llamas campground offered is kind of offers that you know the unique attraction i guess to being able to touch and feel animals
3: so. well the uniqueness uh, i bear mentioned my wife uh, she's an artist she's a fiber artist she paints and draws and uh, she's a high school art teacher she retires in may so we're going to actually kick it up a notch uh, with more classes but people that camp here on saturday mornings from 10 to 12 They get to go down to her studio and gather around and she demonstrates spinning or weaving and uh, she actually gets them involved in it to see whether it's something they would like the other thing we do is uh, we do uh, storytelling llama hikes on our farm and uh, so everyone gets their own llama to take with them and, um, and, you know, experience. And uh, uh, we're only 14 miles from the storytelling capital of the world in Jonesboro. And okay. uh, so storytelling is huge in this area. So uh, obviously, Why is it the
0: storytelling capital of the world?
3: Uh uh-huh. Why is Cause, it the storytelling Because they, deem- the so, they deemed it that way several years ago. It's called Jonesboro, Tennessee. And uh, it's in the fall. They have a storytelling festival that brings people from all over the world. Uh, over ten thousand people descend on this little town called Jonesboro, Tennessee. And Of course, we fill up those people, you know, camp and then go up to the festival. And it's very—I mean, it's storytelling. I mean, it's huge. Yeah, and yeah,
2: there's
3: more places <laughs> than there
1: and i think something that jerry didn't mention but i bet it's absolutely true where he is where we are and it's something that a lot of guests will mention is uh dark nights starry nights yes so most people get to see if it's a clear night here they get to see the milky way you know when we moved here in 2003 i hadn't seen the milky way since i was a kid we moved here from a big city and to be able to just see that or to hear the frogs or you know if it doesn't totally freak them out because it's so dark out here um, it's it, you know you're just in the presence of nature, and I think that is something that is awe inspiring for a lot of people. And yes, walking with a llama or milking a goat. I mean, everybody wants to try to milk something until they find out how hard it is. Yes. So <laughs> we kept we kept a goat and milk last year, and then I finally gave up because I was like, okay, I'm not going to keep milking this goat twice a day just because people try it for 15 seconds and then it's too hard. <laughs> so. But at least
2: they all tried. My grandparents owned a small farm. They had about ten, fifteen c- cows, dairy cattle, and uh, you know, they. Th- my grandpa would have no problem milking it by hand, but uh, it is not easy. So, oh.
3: something you've got to learn how to do. So, if you think a goat is hard, try to milk a llama. I didn't know you,
1: I didn't know you could milk a llama.
3: The, the, the teat's about that long. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but, so I think
0: we hit on something here, right? That's it. That's we've talked about in our different agritourism, our agritourism series. we talked about in Glamping. It's that niche market, yeah. the ability yeah. to set your campground or your accommodations apart from someone else from a, a marketing standpoint, really, is all it is. Just like the guy drove up from Texas to see Gary's face. It's something that you can't get anywhere else, or at least anywhere else with the radius that someone's willing to drive or can drive or those kinds of things. And so, um, For farm stay specifically, if that's, you know, adding a campground to your farm or vice versa, you know, we have some clients uh, that have added goats or have goats, uh, petting zoos that have chickens that do things like that, uh, that complement Easter egg hunts and all kinds of things. And so it's just setting yourself apart in that way that differentiates yourself from your competition that enables you to attract more people that you otherwise would not attract.
3: Uh, If people would think more of agritourism, you know, find things around you, whether you have a campground or a farm, that that can accent what you have already at your place. I mean, for us, we have Davy Crockett birthplace is only two miles from us, you know, so uh, we're steeped in history. Andrew Johnson, the first president ever impeached, is only about nine or ten miles from us, uh, his home, you know, so... There's a lot of things that you can go to in addition to what you have, or they can just, or you can be the destination. But people need to look for those opportunities to partner with other organizations and pl- activities and places around them.
0: It's a good point. You don't have to do it all by yourself. I mean, you no. talking about local businesses and, and that can add that value too. So yeah, it's definitely good advice.
2: Yeah. And I think we talked a little bit about that when we were doing our winery discussion a couple of weeks ago, just about the fact that, yeah i mean you may not have an, a winery at your park but if you have you know five to ten or you know if you have a winery down the road then you know that's a that's a big deal right now people love to do wine tastings and and tours and things like that so there's definitely ways to do partnerships to where you can offer your campground owner campers that experience maybe through a partnership with a winery or, or like what we're talking about here today with a local farm or something. Um, so let's I talk what... about
0: this for a second. I'm curious, right? Because obviously you guys both have experience with farms in general, um, you know, all, all different kinds. We're talking about llamas, of course, to begin with, but all different kinds of animals and experiences. So if you're talking to the members who are watching our show right now, what are some things that you think that they could incorporate into their campground? First all, let's start, like what can I do without partnering with a local attraction? Whether that's chickens or goats or
1: I would add I would add a chicken coop. I would add chickens. I mean, those are the easiest. They're the easiest to raise. They're the least expensive. Everybody loves to feed chickens. You know, you see in the movies with everybody scattering scratch and now you get to do it. And then you get to go collect the eggs. And I gotta tell you, for collecting eggs, it's like it's like Easter for people who've never done it. And the parents are almost pushing the kids out of the way. So i would say chickens would be first goats would probably be second because they're so personable although i don't know maybe llamas are i'm not as familiar with llamas but goats are easy you can get nigerian dwarfs you just don't want to let them get loose into your flower beds or into your garden or your fruit trees i
3: agree with her 100 Uh, or uh, one of the favorite things here has been the garden Uh, We build a 30 by 60 uh, box garden, and uh, we use 100% llama compost in it, and we never have to use any type of uh, pesticides or uh, uh, fertilizer. It's all organic. So, uh, and that's been very, even though most people don't pick from it, they get to go out and and experience it and enjoy it and just walk them through between the beds.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I know um, it also offers, because we've been hearing a lot about road schooling and people doing more like schooling from RVs and stuff um, this past fall. Um, and I guess, you know, that kind of offers opportunities too there as far as being able to let those um, types of RVers come in and kind of, you know, they can look at your your garden and kind of educate their kids um, right. and look at the animals. So.
1: So, then I should also point out because we did do a lot of schooling groups, families mostly this fall, you need to have good Wi Fi. And I know that's not a farming thing, but on mm-hmm. any campground or wherever you are, if you're going to be attracting those kinds of uh, groups, good Wi Fi is, is, a, is a huge asset.
3: It is. It is. We, we, yeah. We're fortunate, uh, we have 250 megabits coming in. Uh, with five access points. So we spent the money on the Wi-Fi uh, because I have so many workers that uh, because of COVID and other things, they they travel now and they work from their camper. And so,
1: I don't think that's going cha- to change. No, I think correct. that COVID has introduced that as a new format. So, you know, doing classes with kids, you can do that um, remotely. And yeah, and we don't have very good cell phone service here. So as long as people know that they have access to something like Wi-Fi, then they're perfectly happy.
0: So the interesting part is, and I don't want to get too far off topic, but we do have an hour to fill here, right? So we gotta talk about some (laughs) weird things. Uh, I like Wi-Fi. You're talking about Wi-Fi specifically. I had I had a client call me last week and say she was getting quotes for like eighty thousand dollars on the high end to build out a Wi-Fi system at her park. and, and, you know, obviously there's prices that were lower, right? If she wanted the top, the top tier was premium, $80,000. But the point is, is I told her like, A, if you look at, because we do marketing, right? And so I hand over reviews and things like that, our company does, monitoring your reputation, stuff like that. And so we were looking through our reviews and they weren't that many who were complaining about our Wi-Fi, there weren't too many. You know, once in a while people would say like, I wish you had faster speeds or stuff like that. But it's not a huge problem, right? And so I said, hold off a little bit, because what you've got coming down the pipe is you're talking about cell phone coverage and stuff like that. Starlink is already got services. Do you guys know what Starlink is? Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We've got a, a farm that's got it up in Washington. Yeah. yeah.
0: So Elon Musk, uh, SpaceX, it's a division of SpaceX. Uh, they're going to create a separate company. They're launching satellites into space. It's when they get this thing going, which is going to be like, I mean, it's already going as as. Scotty just said there's already people who are beta testing it. But when it gets really going, it's gonna blanket the entire earth, like the Sahara Desert and everywhere else with really fast internet. And all of a sudden that infrastructure that you could have spent anywhere between twenty to eighty thousand dollars to build out for Wi-Fi, you can stick a satellite up and offer your campers the same kind of service. And so I told her to hold off for now unless she starts getting a lot of backlash from that Wi-Fi. And obviously there's probably some companies in the industry who aren't too happy with me telling you that live on the Woodall show, but it it is what it is, right? I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it, but it's something to consider when you're.
3: It's the same. It's the same thing with cable. Uh, When we first opened up uh, three years ago, uh, our local cable company tried their best to put, you know, cable to every spot, but the price was exorbitant. And plus then I'd be paying a huge amount per month just to have it. And I told him, I said, "That's a dying infrastructure uh, yep. underground cable." Uh, and it's different you
0: know. if you're developing a parking. and you, the, the the trench is already open and you can just lay the cable on top of everything else. But yeah. when you've got to redo it and dig it from scratch, yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah.
2: Do do the do the llamas respond well to good Wi-Fi? Do they like <laughs> use the Wi-Fi at all? You
3: know, tablets, anything. Well, but, they're uh, they're pretty tall, so usually they have good reception. Damn. <laughs>
1: But I'll tell you how that works. So we have Wi-Fi out at our barn, and so if you want to talk about marketing, people will take pictures of themselves, videos, and they'll send it right from the barn to, out to the Facebook or out to their friends, yeah. out right. to their family. And so I'm sure it. Jerry, when he was mentioning all those selfies, I mean, talk about marketing. Oh you yeah. You know, anybody yeah. holding the baby lamb? How cute is that? You know. Right.
0: But then cool. there's all kinds of creative ways you can do it, right? I mean, keep the guest engaged once they leave your property, too. This is just my marketing brain working, right? Like, let them adopt a llama or something like that, or name it, or have a competition, and then they can follow the progress. You do YouTube videos, you can send, like, have a subscription service where they can have a day with the llama via YouTube Live or something, right? Oh, God, I need to be taking
1: notes. Okay. I am. <laughs> I'm,
0: <sure he's laughs> I'm looking, looking over. <laughs> I mean, why just yeah. focus on just the campgrounds day? So this is stuff that, yeah. pe- that people create memories with, and they can grow up with the llama for yeah. 10 years.
1: Yeah. Well, and then they come back, and then you just have to yeah. – you know, that's the one thing Jerry and I have been – you have to deal with, because I have guests that have come back 8, 9, 10 years, so I get to see children, babies until they're grown up. Mm-hmm. But the question always is from the parents, is so-and-so still alive? You know, <laughs> the name of the animal. Is, yeah. is that animal still alive, and it's – Hopefully yes, but it isn't always going to be. Livestock doesn't live as long as.
0: Well, we've all seen the movie where the where the parent kills the turtle and goes and buys a new one from the pet store. It's possible that they could live forever. I'm just saying.
3: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But. Well, Scotty can get by with that because most of your sheep look alike. Every (laughs) llama is different.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's different to you, but are people really going to notice the difference if they don't notice if they don't know about llamas?
3: Yeah, that's true.
1: Well, it's a good point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If, if you point out to somebody, so look, there's the lambs and then there's the, you, the grownups, they can't tell a difference. So it takes a little while.
3: Since we're talking about campers uh, now we do have uh, host campers and we also have work campers that stay on okay. the farm. And uh, it's first time we did work campers was this fall uh, in October and uh, and we worked I started out with uh, less benefits, but when I say benefits, I'm talking about uh, they work so many hours for their spot, but they were so good. It's a young couple. They were so good. They were going to stay till April. Now they're going to stay all summer. Uh, I, I decide just to give them their entire spot, electricity, water, sewer, Wi-Fi, all free. Then I'll pay them for that 15 hours we'd agreed with earlier but uh it's worth it that way because i'm getting old (laughs) i can't clean barns like i used to but uh, they feed and get involved with the llamas and they let and they take care of the chickens. so it's nice to have that
2: yeah um yeah i mean uh i know a lot of campground owners are looking at work campers i guess um you know did you have a pretty good experience finding them and hiring them
3: it was it was just truly on the it was happen chance. Cause what happened was uh, they contacted me. They saw the air campground and they really liked the idea and wanted to stay here. So, so I told them I said, well, I haven't had any work campers before. However, uh, I need some references. Of course, I'm a retired high school principal. I've hired countless people, so I always look at references. So uh, you know, I, they were at other campgrounds and I got some excellent references on them, and they just are awesome. I don't want them to ever leave.
1: <laughs> well and i should say there's an organization out there called wolf willing like yes. W-W-O-O-F, which is where you'll you can find people but they don't necessarily come with their rv or their camper so right um right. that's the the issue but- and
3: we are we are a wolfing farm by the way we've had over 20 wolfers on our farm yeah and uh, yeah. that works out great the only bad thing about that is just as soon as you get them trained it's time for them to leave yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm here from TJ Johnson. I just want to bring up on the screen. We're getting to put it there. Uh, it says uh, we have chickens and mini goats that the kids can feed. But we also offer guided foraging walks, ENW maple syrup classes. We partner with other folks in the area. Uh, once COVID slows down, we're planning to partner with local chocolate manufacturer, wineries, and other things that it won't fit on the screen. So,
3: awesome. Um, you
2: know, the the maple syrup is interesting. Um, uh, that's kind of a farming thing. My uh, son and I did maple syruping for the first time this last year we uh we tapped about eight trees or whatever and and did the whole process we didn't get a ton of maple syrup but um you know if if campground owners you know we typically have a lot of trees and if you have a lot of maple trees and you have the the time and the and the uh desire to do so i mean that's kind of a neat little activity for campers too so i
0: agree on my dad's side used to produce maple syrup in a tiny town in New York State. So, yeah,
1: yeah. So a number of our New England mid Atlantic farms actually offer maple syruping uh, to either tapping or a few of them show how you cook it down and make it into syrup. And then I think they sell their own syrup as well. Yeah, it's interesting. It depends on what part of the country you're in as to kind of some of the classes or the things that people offer Um, canning spinning, like Jerry said, um, and just different kinds of, this is how we do it on the farm, you know, and then you get to go home with something. So it's always fun. I mean, canning, if you do jelly or something, so you're not going to kill somebody, um, you know, you want to do the Scotty, uh,
3: do you, Scotty, do you do online uh, oh, I'm sorry, do you feel like stores. people die getting maple syrup
0: out of trees, or is that a thing?
1: <laughs> so Yeah, you tap, you tap the tree, but you don't, you have to cook it down to make it syrup. So right. how, do you, you, how do you die from that? Oh, no, you wouldn't necessarily die from maple syrup, but the, if you ha- were teaching somebody to can something else, you could, you know, green beans. If you didn't do it right, so maybe m- making jelly—it's pretty hard to kill somebody. Wait, how do green beans kill you? I'm fascinated. Oh, it's
0: cooking.
1: If it's not canned properly, and so yeah. you—it uh, so can go bad. It can like go a, bad. It's just
3: dangerous. Scotty, do you do online store? Yeah. That's something that uh, we really want to uh, expand on. Is all the things we have to sell on the farm, we will start doing it online. We haven't done that yet.
1: I have it associated with my reservation system, but I don't push it because I, because shipping always costs so much, and I can't compete with Amazon. And everybody's used to free shipping these days.
0: That's right. And you can get the fulfillment center who will ship it for you.
1: Or I could get a fulfillment center to ship it for me. I could do that.
0: It'll save you a ton of money. I'm just
1: so yeah, yeah. So I just haven't gotten into that. I mean, you know, actually, the farming part takes a lot of time, then hosting guests takes a lot of time. And so but you're absolutely right. We could do that, especially for things like low season, usually winter, um, late fall, things like that.
0: Well, that's The idea is that you set it up once and it's a hassle. But then once you're done, the yeah. fulfillment center takes the time yeah. off your hands and yeah. you got more revenue. Well, that's true. So. That's true.
1: I have a book I sell online through Amazon. But yeah.
2: T.J. Yeah. T. Yeah. T.J. Johnson mentioned he did pickles with campers, which yes. um, pickles is a lot of fun. Pickles
1: is, uh, and you probably and you won't kill anybody with pickles either.
2: No, no. Um, we can imagine ways. We can imagine ways to kill people
3: with pickles.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Not that I'm
3: advocating for it. I'm just saying it could be dangerous. Yeah. yeah anyway, wi Fi, wifi don't put very hot peppers in your garden. So people <laughs> will actually throw them in their mouth and it's awful.
0: Yeah. Well no so that's actually a good strategy because then you can sell milk. <laughs>
3: yeah. That's what they did. They drank milk all afternoon trying to get rid of that. Yeah. Yeah. you can sell wow. milk
2: at a, you can sell milk at a premium price then yeah. so,
0: a half gallon yeah.
2: <laughs> but um, just kind of back to the Wi-Fi thing. I liked um, you know the the marketing aspect of having people take pictures. But um, I guess Brian, can you speak to this a little bit? Um, you know, is it is it beneficial for campground owners to have like certain hashtags and stuff in place for when people do pictures to do post that kind of stuff?
0: I mean, a little bit on Instagram and stuff, but yeah. it'll help yeah. it'll help people discover. But like, how? And I don't know. Maybe I'm just an outlier, right? This is my user experience person, right? People ask me all the time, do I use hashtags on Facebook? I don't know of anybody who. Yeah on a hashtag on Facebook and scrolls through to post to look at all the, like. I don't on Instagram, yes, but not on Facebook.
2: I think it helps. I think it helps some of the like maybe the campground owners maybe organize their stuff a little better if they use hashtags. Yeah. I don't know,
0: but the but the the idea is is you need to piggyback off of a hashtag that already exists. Don't create your own hashtag like your park name because then it's the same thing as as the, the apps that you're creating for your campground, right? Uh, they do a good service. They're useful. They help people save time, all that kind of stuff. But you got to get people to download them. You got to get people to use your hashtags. So how much effort are you putting in to this? Is my hashtag to get the people who like are looking at other hashtags to use yours? So yeah. uh, balance, right? Like, don't don't overwork yourself. Use something that already exists and see if you can attract attention if you're going to do it that way. Farm,
1: so, yeah. far, farm life is a good one. Or goats of Instagram, sheep of Instagram, llamas of Instagram. I mean, right.
0: people, people overthink a lot of this stuff, and really it's just providing value. Like you're not going to get attention on your Instagram for whatever you post if you're not providing something interesting that people want to see, if you're just trying to sell, if you're trying to do all that kind of stuff. So uh, if it's something cool, if it's llamas and they're doing something funny or great or amazing or something that people haven't seen before, then people are going to find you no matter what, whether you have a hashtag or not.
1: It's interesting. We have a farm um, actually in Kansas. And so he has his every guest stands in front of their old farmhouse and they hold a pitchfork. And they so they do the um, the old acres. Well, it's not green acres. What is it the with the man and the woman with the pitchfork? Yeah. Anyway, they do that image. And so they have every guest do that. And so then that's a picture that they have to take home. So I thought Brian, you were going to go or Ben with set up backgrounds that people have so that they can have their their special photo spot, you know, in front of the barn or with the whatever, you know, but uh, yeah, so he does that and his guests love it and then they share it all over the place, so.
2: Yeah, the, the American Gothic scene.
1: American um, Gothic, thank you.
2: But uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, yeah, that's, that's interesting too. I think uh, campgrounds, you know, that don't have a farm theme have some of those cutouts and stuff that they do, too. We're starting to see more of those pop up. Um, I guess uh, you also mentioned um, chickens as maybe an easy uh, animal to start with, an easier animal, or goats. I guess for people who aren't familiar with chickens, um, I guess, you know, how hard are those to manage, I guess, you know, as a campground owner? How hard would...
1: Yeah, they're easy. The one thing you have to do if you get a variety of chickens, which means that they lay different colored eggs is you need to educate your guests that the eggs aren't rotten if they're blue. That's just the color (laughs) of the egg. And also if you are letting your chickens free range and you're not, they're not all cooped up that when they go to crack the egg and the yolk is really orangey yellow, that that's actually what they're supposed to look like. Please don't throw it out. It's not rotten. That's Parker. the biggest issue we've had with eggs is the different it's
0: colors. Like bleached white normally out of the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And darkness
3: oh, right. they are usually more nutritious.
0: Yes. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. That's what I buy from the store. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They
2: actually have a a breed of chickens called Easter Eggers or something, right? Yeah. Where, they yeah. Yeah. Where they have
0: multicolored.
2: Yeah. They have multicolored eggs. Yeah.
1: So they're green and they're green and blue. Yep yeah no so i mean but chickens are relatively easy they don't live that long i mean but that's fine and uh they're yeah all you have to do is lock them up at night so they don't get eaten by skunks raccoons or foxes and make yeah. sure your campers
3: have dogs on a lead
1: <laughs> Well,
0: there are other benefits to all this too right is it is it roosters or hens testing my memory one of them
1: is pest control right both both. Well, and, and, really then, and then ducks. ducks. Ducks will eat the slugs if you have ducks around. Yeah. yeah. And the one thing with chickens is if you are letting them free range, then you don't want to let them into your garden or into your flower boxes because they'll rip those up. But other than that, you can always keep them in a chicken yard. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, especially if you got dogs that are running around. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah um, and and uh, chicken coops don't take up too much space either um no. you know you can get quite a few chickens in a smallish area i mean you got to give them plenty of room but i think it's like two to four this? feet per
0: what you have experience with this
2: yeah i mean i've raised chickens i had i had a chicken coop before we moved and we're actually going to be getting more chickens here this spring so
0: i'm um, sure we're giving people factual information based on real world experience <sighs> itself we have a high journalism
3: bar
0: to set up the show. Right?
3: Yeah. <laughs> we yeah, one other thing I'd like to mention: it's good to, if your campground is to have events on your farm or on your camp or in your campground. We do a thing in the fall called Spooky Llama Trails and Tales, and it's a it's a major event for our local people also, and uh, it's based on storytelling. We actually have a Native American Indian group that spends oh, cool. two that stays. Okay. Uh, two weekends on their farm they have a huge 18-foot teepee they do native american stories we do a uh a hayride through the woods we'll have scenes like one of the scenes is uh, and we have live people in the woods now this is designed for young children and family we actually have church groups that come to this so, and so it's very it's not real scary it's more cutesy sp- spooky like we have the Sanderson sisters from Hocus Pocus that uh, if you ever seen the movie Hocus Pocus, yeah. you got kids, you've seen that movie. And uh, so my wife and a couple others dress up as the Sanderson sisters and they've got a cauldron and the wagon drives by uh, the tractor and wagon drives by and we stop. And of course the witches come up and they poke the kids and say, Ooh, that looks tender. You know, just cute little things. We have dancing zombies in a, in a uh, graveyard they come out and and i have speakers on the wagon so that they can hear the scary music or uh like we play michael jackson's thriller when the zombies come out of the graveyard and they do a flash mob dance nice so that's every fall uh and uh it's man we have about a couple thousand people you know come to it it's great but you're talking And then about the campers, the campers just walk over to it. So our campgrounds full those two weekends for great. people coming to see, to, you know, to do that. And we partner with the local Ruitan, which is a nonprofit organization. And I give <laughs> 60% of the proceeds to them.
0: But you're talking about ways to enhance the experience with part of what you already have with the llamas and stuff like that, but also with partnering with local organizations like the native Americans you're bringing in, things like that. Yeah. Ah, uh, just thinking outside the box, and those things can help you build your revenue, awareness, community relations, all those kinds of things.
3: Oh yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, uh, that sounds fantastic. We're gonna. Ha- I'm gonna have to head down that way to check that out. So
3: <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Well, so and and kind of well, not quite the same, but we do farm tours, so you don't have to stay here. Um, and so again, I bet Jerry probably has some tours where you can come in and see the llama. Do you do that? Maybe you come and see. the We do outside.
3: Well, we do outside tours now. If you're a camper, yeah. it's free. We charge right. for outside t- folks, and we have uh, and we have people come, you know, around 100 miles away sometimes to come to. They purchase uh, llama treks, storytelling yeah. llama hikes. Exactly. So we do it outside and inside. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we do tours like that and we do school tours. And then we do this. We did do this open barn day because we have our lambs are in the spring. Everybody wants to see baby lambs. And then we let people just stay on site for the day and have picnics and things like that. But it actually, quite honestly, it got too crowded. It got to be more than we really could handle. Um, we have a creek that goes through our property. And so my husband was just looking at the liability <laughs> involved, letting people walk free around the farm uh, without a, uh, not on a tour. And so, um,
0: Which is why you can do zoom meetings and charge five bucks for those. And then they can upgrade to an in-person package control. you can control.
3: That's a good point. Uh, Airbnb has Airbnb experiences that they're doing that now. And we already do Airbnb here on the, on the farm. So we're thinking about adding that.
1: So we're doing, we do virtual tours. You know, Please? I wish I had thought of it b- before COVID, but I didn't. And then once COVID hits, so we do virtual tours uh, for nice families, man. parties, schools, and we're doing this live stream animal event for Portland State University next week, where they just want us to oh. have the camera in the barn and just have, for two hours do a live stream.
3: Oh, wow, so. that's great. Well,
1: but we that's what to... you
0: can do, like have a 24 seven live stream of your llamas and charge people a monthly membership fee to access it. Yep. Exactly.
1: I look. I looked into the price of that. That's actually it can be a little expensive if you're doing a live stream that's twenty four seven.
0: Well, it depends on if yours. Well, if you pay for your bandwidth, yes.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: You have unlimited bandwidth. I don't know. I guess I have unlimited bandwidth. So. They do. Yeah. Uh,
2: they have a peregrine hawk or whatever. I forget what it's called. They have a nest in South Bend, Indiana not too far from where we live. And they literally have a, I I believe it's a 24 seven cam on that bird's nest and people go nuts over that thing. I mean, just watching the bird come in and in the spring when it has babies and whatever. Uh, so it's, you know, I know different zoos do things like that too. Um,
1: and it's funny every spring we look into it for lambing and it gets less expensive each year. (laughs) <laughs> so <laughs> we just haven't well, it done it yet. How
0: much you can scale it again, because if you're doing a live show, like you can, this can all go all over the world. Yeah. Like you can go to countries and cities that have never even seen llamas yeah. before or sheep or whatever else. Yeah. So the ability for you to scale mm-hmm. that, regardless of how much it costs, you just had to do good yeah. marketing. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And price it right. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, well, and then, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but
0: yeah.
2: So, I mean, a lot of neat ideas. Um, You know, I had a thought, but I lost my train of thought. I noticed TJ Johnson mentioned he does TikTok videos now, which is a little um, different experience than Facebook or Instagram. I don't have a lot of experience with TikTok. I don't know what Brian does. Brian may be a big TikToker. Who
0: knows? Uh, I'm I'm not big on social media personally at at all. But yeah, The the thing, TikTok's a great way to reach, obviously, a younger audience. Um, And so, yeah, if you're doing things that that you want to get creative with llamas and sheep and reaching younger kids and families and stuff like that, then you can do that. you got to have a personality to do it. But then I would also, uh, you know, again, remember that just like we tell clients on Facebook and Instagram and everywhere else, it's not always about likes and views. It's about bookings and money. So I don't care if a million people like your Facebook post that's not a single person bought. just wasted your time. I think,
2: Yeah. I think somebody mentioned, you guys mentioned the insurance just a little bit. I think, you know, we might have to think about getting an insurance person on here uh, every week because I think every week we do a topic, insurance always comes up. But uh, I guess, I don't know, um, You know, I guess, uh, Jerry, does, you know, this impact your insurance for the campground at all with all the animals and the, and the different activities?
3: Um, what I did, I got an umbrella that includes, uh, you know, visits on the farm and the campground. It's all one. And uh, so it's covered under that. And that was the number one thing I wanted to make sure I had was an insurance policy.
2: Yeah. And I imagine different areas might have different rules as far as animals go. I mean, a lot of campgrounds may be out in the, what we would call like a country area, but there's also a lot of campgrounds in like a city Type setting that maybe can't have chickens or animal, or you know maybe they have to contract with a with a local farm or something to bring in animals. They can't actually raise them at the at the campground. It's um, back
3: to check your zoning.
0: Yeah, I want to talk to an insurance person about segmenting like your campground into different businesses. So remember how <laughs> remember how we had that insurance guy on where you yeah. was talking about how like if you have somebody come in to rent kayaks and you lease the area to them then you're not responsible for the insurance they are so i is it possible to segment a campground and then like you could have different animals in different sections some of which are less dangerous and some of which are more dangerous and then you could have each llc cover their own like the rate would be higher right the portion where you put bears and tigers <clears throat> I don't. For- I
1: don't know that insurance companies uh, see different animals as different kind of danger. They have a hard time figuring it out to start. Well, yeah, I guess it would depend on what you've got. You'll find though, so most campgrounds that are going to be on a farm, there's a farm policy that you know is protecting you anyway in case my sheep get out into the road and somebody kills them or they kill somebody else because they have an accident. So mm-hmm. I'm covered that way. But then I have a whole separate business liability policy, which is trip and fall insurance, basically yep. for people to be on the farm that's that the in, in addition. And then I do have what Jerry has. I have an umbrella on top of all of it. But quite honestly, um, our farms a lot of times have a hard time getting insurance because insurance companies just do right. not understand what agritourism is. They don't you understand have, what farms are. Well. <laughs> Yeah, and so they don't want to cut, co- and they don't want to cover you because all of a sudden they're like, "Well, we don't know what kind of loss you're going to have." And I'm like, "You know, we try not to run over anybody with our tractor. We really, really, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, is that a thing? <laughs> is what a thing?
0: Does does a sheep? connect how often does a sheep kill someone? Is that a well, thing? if it
1: got out in the road and you had a car accident because of it, yeah, and here I, I turned your car really, over.
0: Is it really like? I mean, yes. In the car accident and all kinds of different things. Right. How are you going to actually determine that the sheep was liable? You could have been asleep at the wheel. You could have been, had too many to drink. You could, I mean, it could yeah. be anything. It could have just been dark.
1: Yeah.
3: There's so. Uh, most of the people writing the policies don't know anything about a farm. Yeah. We found an old sign uh, in their shearing room. We found an old sign in the antique store and it says the beauty shop. Uh, and, uh, so we you know, I bought it, hung it up over our shearing room. Cause that's where we, you know, do the beauty shop for the llama. Well, when the guy came to take pictures of everything, you know, to look at all the stuff that we have, I had to take it down. Cause he said they somebody from New York city is probably doing the, uh, figuring whether they're going to insure you or not. And they don't have a, if, if you've got a beauty shop, that's another whole animal. <laughs> that's not a farm. Yeah. So I mean, just weird yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, I po- I
2: posted a story that kind of made headlines this last week about here in in, in Indiana they had cows break loose, um, whole herd went down the highway. But yeah, I mean, I guess if you have cows, you'd have to worry about that. um Well, cows, yeah, I mean, I can see like
0: cows causing some
2: damage. But um, inside in the outdoor hospitality industry, we are lucky to have like Levid Insurance, K and K. Marshall and Sterling, I think, that are a little bit more in tune to the campground industry. So maybe maybe they would be more useful for this agritourism segment, too, because they kind of understand the hospitality segment um, a little bit better than maybe some of the other companies that aren't as associated with the some, hospitality. Some
3: states, so. Some states help you out on agritourism. They try to minimize the liability for farms that do agritourism.
1: Yeah. So we have a big sign. So Oregon's yeah, got a bill, too. Tennessee does as well. Yeah. yeah. And so we just have to have those signs posted. I mean, it looks really scary when you drive in our driveway and you park and you see this huge sign that says we're not liable for any agritourism activity. But, but,
0: possible for you to resell like travel insurance policies to individual people and require that they have them or something that you could make a profit off of i don't know really really
3: and that'd be difficult
0: oh yeah no doubt or other people people would do it and i wouldn't be the first one that was saying right it's an interest like i mean i don't know because they cover medical and all that kind of stuff and so yeah
2: yeah i Yeah, I mean, it would be it'd be interesting on the cost side if anybody would want to spend the money to buy it.
1: So we do have some ranch. We have some farms that do that down in Texas. She's talked about it before. She tells people you need to get travel insurance before you come. But I don't know. I'm not sure travel insurance would cover you getting bit by a whatever.
3: Donkey, well,
1: no, 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 by, donkey. A do- by a donkey. But, I was going to say it wouldn't
0: cover the act, but it would cover the medical care costs that as, that came as a result of that. And so I wonder if what my what I'm saying is is I wonder if you, as the accommodation, could partner with a travel insurance company yeah. to provide blanket coverage, like kind of like resell like X number of I have 200 sites on my campground, so I'm going to offer 200 different insurance policies. What's the bulk rate for that, and then I can resell it to my campers, right? And cover it.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think most campers wouldn't pay for it. I, I don't know. I don't, well, I don't know.
0: I mean, I don't know. How many people, how much money do you think Delta makes from that like ad insurance at the bottom when you're booking a flight? Like yeah. people will just click it because they're scared or it's on by default or whatever, right? Yeah. People, might be yeah. people would buy it. I mean, not for like 30 bucks, but for five, 10 bucks. Yeah.
1: I'm not sure I want people thinking that they could then just go and claim stuff. I mean, that,
3: I, That's concern I had Scotty yeah. is you don't even want to mention insurance yeah. <laughs> or liability, although it's yeah. always out there.
1: Yeah. 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 I, that's why we take people. So when people come to our farm, I call it the danger tour. I take them on a tour around the farm. I point out all the things that are dangerous. Don't fall out of the hayloft. There's a Creek, you know, here's the animals. This is how you have to be around them. And I you know I joke about it, but I say this is the danger tour because I want them to be aware so that if anything happens and things do happen then they go, oh yeah, she told us about that. so luck, I'm knocking on wood here so far we've been you know people understand yeah
2: and I th- and I think from a liability you know we've had Christine Taylor on here um, from the townie law firm uh, and and I know she's written for us at Woodall's before and I think from the liability side a tour like that um really helps quite a bit too you know you have them sign waivers and then you take them on a tour like that and when you know if you do get sued and you go to court you can be like hey we you know we had them sign the waivers we read that you know they read them we took them on an actual tour i think that looks pretty good that would look pretty good i mean i'm not a lawyer but um it can't hurt anything so
1: well, I've also discovered, I don't know if Jerry's discovered this, that accidents happen in the first 30 minutes that people are here. And I think it's because the ground is on different. Everything is different from what they're used to. And so if you can get them through that first 30 minutes, then you, right. usually, you're usually okay.
0: All that kind of stuff, yeah.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah they want, want know, to wear high good. heels to a farm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> also just try to scare them, right? Because if they're scared, then they're going to pay attention and be more alert to their surroundings too. Like. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you could put a, like, get a nice stock image of this super cute young kid and frame it and put it on the wagon that you drive people around on and just say in loving memory of, and when they ask, why you, uh, what is it? Uh, why you should not get cable or something instead get direct TV. And they go, they do all these like series of like what happened and it's so ridiculous. So, like, yeah, you know, this kid fell off the wagon and he got bit by a chicken and it got infected and he had his arm amputated and then he lost too much blood. And then, Well so then Jerry and I would never get anybody dead. out to our farms. No.
1: <laughs> we don't oh, want to scare them. We, we want to show them that their grandparents their great grandparents grew up on these farms and everybody did okay. And this is Which, a- because
0: but they did okay because they paid attention. <laughs>
1: I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, But but, um, okay, Ben, save us here.
2: I think I think the important thing to acknowledge. I think the important thing to acknowledge is that uh, you're probably, you know, more than likely not going to have an incident, but it's important to be prepared um, for any, you know, for these incidents, and that's where the insurance comes in. And So, so we can move away from
0: the uh, bad incidents at the farm. (laughs) Um, That's the idea. We're joking about it because it's not realistic. It doesn't have to be enough to worry about it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, a lot of the, you know, we're not talking about like tigers and lions, Uh, you know, llamas for the most part are pretty um, friendly. I, you know, I've been around goats a lot. I mean, they can get a little bitey, uh but um you know you just have to be aware of that they can kick too sometimes um i've been kicked by a cow before that wasn't very much fun so you just you know you're around animals so you have to be aware of your surroundings and understand that they're animals and they don't know what you're doing and they do weird things sometimes
0: well that's what jerry's talking about with the high heels wearing them to a farm like you just have to be aware of where you're going and what your surroundings are and educate yourself a little bit. Spend five minutes and Google, like what it's like to walk on a farm and like read a paragraph and then you'll know like 95% more than everybody else does.
1: Well, we tell people coming to the farm to the close toed shoes. I mean, if you're going to go into the chicken yard and you have painted toenails, Mm, you know, you might find that you've got some chickens tapping at your toenails.
0: And, and the thing is, is people don't read. Like we were, like I went yeah. axe throwing a couple years ago, and they said the same thing: wear closed-toed shoes. You wouldn't believe the people showed up in sandals. Like you're axe yeah. throwing. Yeah. Like you should yeah. know that what I'm telling you. But yeah, I mean, people people don't read the policies and be aware
1: of that stuff. Right. So, and you know, I would say for your campgrounds that are maybe thinking of getting chickens, you know, you don't need a rooster, right? You don't need a rooster to get eggs. Yeah. And um, some roosters are mean. So, um, it's nice having a rooster. We use it to protect our flock, but I have nice roosters and I had a mean one. I got rid of them, you know.
2: We had a, yeah, I mean, we had two roosters and a bunch of hens and it got to the point where the roosters were just being mean to the hens and we, you know, we had to take the roosters out of the, out of the equation, um, because, you know, you can't, you know, you don't want them being mean to you. You know, they, they get pretty big um and they can be mean to you and then they can be mean to the hens and uh that's not a good situation and plus they make a lot of noise um the, sometimes rooster, roosters can make lots of noise so i like
1: that i like that sound i have been told <laughs> recently our rooster starts crowing at 4 a.m though
2: <laughs> it just depends on the person so um but uh, i i really like goats i wouldn't mind having a, a few goats um which we can have a goat. I live in a city, but we can actually have a goat in the city. There's a person a couple blocks away from us that has a goat, um, and uh, it, they're pretty—they're pretty neat animals. So too. Your so.
0: purpose would be for milk or what?
2: Yeah, milk, companionship. I mean, they're neat. They're just friendly animals. So, um, uh, not necessarily to eat or anything. Although you can eat a goat. So. Um, it looks, it looks like, uh, we lost Jerry though. So unfortunately we're getting near the end anyways. Um, I don't know if I have any more comments on the farm, um, thing, I guess, Brian, did you have any more comments or thoughts or ideas?
0: I think, I think the idea is, is again, we, we, we just to wrap it up, right? We're talking about a niche market. We're talking about ways yeah. that you can appeal both from a farm standpoint, if you're adding campgrounds, but also campgrounds, if you're adding farm experiences and just going up to that niche market, setting yourself apart, giving yourself a differentiator that can not only attract like local campers who you might attract as a normal campground, right? Or what people expect, but also broaden your reach like Jerry was saying to that people in Texas who came up. And so uh, it just becomes a way for you to, to increase your revenue, offer new things and provide great experiences to people.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think, as you know we get more into the glamping things not going away and i don't think the unique experience thing is going to go away so if you know if you're a campground owner you know you can have a lot of amenities and things which is great but it's also great to find ways to um build in those unique experiences i know we had like greg emmert from the uh, koa in ohio i think he recently sold this park but um he had uh he was giving nature tours you know just from around the park you know they had you know and that's just a way to engage people and um just finding ways to offer those unique experiences i think is going to be really important because that's what people are looking for
0: so well the sky, and the sky's the limit too so if yeah. just because you talked to scotty and she did a couple other you know things at her park doesn't mean that you can't do those and something else or level up or like we were talking to Scotty about memberships and, you know, video calls and things like that that you could use to enhance your revenue. Like there, are, I mean, for how many years there's been these lodges in Africa, right? Where you can go stay on these luxury things and they're open on one side and you can wake up with a giraffe head in your room, like room. Like it's, I mean, there's all kinds of things and experiences you can provide to people if you're willing to think outside the box. So.
2: And what's really, what's really surprising to me is, you know, for the Northern tier campgrounds that, uh, sh- close-up shop right now because of the cold, um, you know, we don't really, you know, there are some campgrounds that do a really good job of staying engaged throughout the winter, but I would say the majority of them maybe do one or two Facebook posts for, a, you know, the four to five months that they're closed, um, and that's it. Um, I think there's just a tremendous opportunity for something like this, you know, to help mm-hmm. see throughout the winter, you know, do more than, one or two Facebook posts for a four month period, you know, Do videos of animals and in the amenities that you have and, and keep people engaged, even though you're closed, um, keep, keep your park up front in their memory.
0: So in their mind. The problem with that, Ben, is that people can't tie it to actual reservations. Like, it, it, and that's, I mean, that's, it's the truth, right? So like a lot of campground owners, I mean, me included, I don't use my social media. I wouldn't be on Facebook if it wasn't for my business. To be perfectly honest, like I'll call somebody. I'll talk to them in person. i prefer to do that that way. But if they if they knew beyond a shadow of doubt that by devoting X number of hours to something they don't love or don't like, Facebook or whatever else, or mm-hmm. keep, generated X revenue, and they could see that in QuickBooks and see that in their analytics reports, then they'd do it. But they don't know how right it's throwing it out there and you get likes, but how much revenue does that lead to? They don't know that for sure.
1: So, but we have a link where you can, to make reservations off of our Facebook page.
0: Right. So So, do you right. You so that's track. what you mean,
1: right? You know
0: exactly. Yeah. Do you know exactly how many reservations come from that link on I Facebook? See what
1: you mean. That's no. what I'm saying. Right. Got it.
0: Okay. And there are ways you can track
1: that. Actually, I do know that through Google analytics. Yeah. I do know yes. that cause then I look at my website and I see how many people came to my website. Where did they come from? So right. yeah, apologies. But I do know. know
0: just because they made it to your website from Facebook, you know that they actually created they, a transaction, made exactly a booking because you can track that. But it's not as easy to set up. Yeah, yeah. So those kinds of things, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. But I think well, a news yeah. you can keep in touch with a newsletter through the winter if you're closed during the winter. You know, just this is what we're doing on there. This is what we're doing at the park this winter. This is what we're fixing. This is what we're adding. This is what so come book with us next. Yeah. Uh, or our bookings are filling up. I mean, that's our newsletter going out right now. Hey, if you were sitting on your hands waiting to think you were going to book this spring and summer, you better get your acting gear because we don't have a lot of spaces left.
0: Well, so here's, here's my thing too, Scotty. And I'll tell you, and like, I'm not going to pick on you, but I'm just going to give you an example, right at me as a marketing person, all I care about is providing value and then also mentioning that they're filling up fast. And so what I would do is I'd build a newsletter that talked about, llamas or sheep and all kinds of right. cool facts about them and what you know what dolly the sheep did last week or something like that yeah. and have a video and yeah. and then at the topic and say book now or whatever else yeah. people want the value they'll yeah. book if they give if you give them value you don't have to say book all the time yeah yeah so
2: yeah yeah so i see jerry made it back uh i made it back uh, you made it back. In... <laughs> well, we're. I think we're, 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 we're. Anything else? Yeah, I think we're pretty much wrapping up. Next week, we were gonna. I believe we're gonna talk a little bit about the NPS. We're gonna take a look at. We read an intre- I read an interesting article about the size of uh, national park sites and how it may be limiting to larger RVs. And we were just gonna take a look at maybe that issue and maybe some of the other issues um, that uh, campers face when they. Specific Camp to the, the national, national
0: park service, right? Yeah. yeah. So when you say NPS, I think net promoter score for marketing. So, I'm yeah. so <laughs> that should be
2: a pretty interesting uh, show. Um, so that's next Monday at eleven. So thanks everyone for joining us this week, and thanks Jerry and Scotty for taking time out of your day to join us.
1: Sure.
0: Thank you for inviting us. Available on a podcast too, so if you're catching this at the end and you're listening to me, then you're probably already listening as a podcast, or you've seen the show on video, and you no longer need to do so. So I've got to get better at introducing this in the beginning, Ben. Uh, but we are on a podcast as well—Spotify, iTunes, Google, uh, iHeartRadio now, Ben too. Oh boy, well. and maybe so, and maybe, maybe Pandora at some point. Maybe. Some point, I don't know. They're they're taking forever. I can't help it. So I know. So, Thank you, guys. really appreciate you joining us. Uh, we'll see everybody next week, and uh, good luck with all of your respected businesses into the future. Thank, Thank you. you so much.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for the invite. Have a good week. Yep, bye. Bye.
0: Bye.